Hey, what's up? This is Chris Ryan. On Mondays and Thursdays, you can find me co-hosting The Watch with Andy Greenwald. We are still cranking it out. We talk about a lot of things in pop culture, music, movies, but most of all, our ever-changing TV landscape. So check out The Watch for recaps of your favorite TV shows, updates on the streaming wars, and recommendations on what to watch because there's a lot to watch on Mondays and Thursdays on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. What a messy way to start this podcast. I'm Joanna Robinson, by the way. That's Steve on the soundboard. Steve uh, Allman, I haven't even introduced my co-host yet, but Steve Allman, I'm just talking directly to you. I just want to let you know that I'm going to be testing the soundboard. You on the soundboard today. Oh, no. It's going to be a test. Oh, no. Because here we are. I'm here with my beloved, beloved partner in crime, recent haver of a birthday, Hmm. uh, number one (laughs) Orioles fan on a hot streak. Oh, man. It's Mallory Rubin. Hi, Mal. How you doing? Hey, bud. Friend, hi. I'm excited to talk about the last couple weeks of the 2023 regular season and the 2023 postseason, which I believe is what we're here to discuss today. We are here today to discuss the Orioles. Yes, absolutely. Actually, we do have an Orioles question because today is an Ahsoka slash Star Wars slash whatever else mailbag. It's mostly Star Wars, but you know. Some some of those content might make its way in there. Who, who can say? Who can say? We'll see. Um, you, our kind listeners, sent us oh so many emails. That's my fault. I asked for them. Um, and we have called them down into some fun and exciting prompts on the Star Wars front. We're not going to get too far, 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 far into Ahsoka because we're recording this on Tuesday morning. We know there's a new episode of Ahsoka airing tonight, so we don't want to like sort of give you any stale takes, takes that are going to expire, um, you know, when the new episode drops tonight. But that is what we are here to do today. Mal, anything you want to say about the promise, the premise, the excitement of a mailbag? You know, it's evergreen content today, right? Yeah. It's like we're back in the world between worlds. Yeah. We're just glimpsing just ideas and kernels and yeah, vibes, moments across time. We're out of time, but also... Time is all around us, and uh, you'll be able to listen to this mailbag anytime you want. I love it. Um, before we get into the mailbag, just some quick, yeah. obviously, programming mm-hmm. reminders. Mm-hmm. As, as I already mentioned, there's a new episode of Ahsoka tonight, Tuesday, as we're recording, and that means you're about to get a new episode of The Midnight Boys pew, 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 pew. with their instant reactions. I have been told that they're recording tonight, Tuesday night, to just give you the like hottest, freshest takes. Um, I believe is the plan for the rest of the Ahsoka season. That is over on the Ringerverse feed. Also over there on the Ringerverse uh, this Friday, Jess and Ben will be back with another button mash. Talk about such acclaimed video games. Even I have heard of them. <laughs> Things like Mortal Kombat, Baldur's Gate, yeah. early Spider-Man impressions, et cetera, et cetera. So join them over on the Ringerverse on Friday, button mash, um, and, and the list goes on and on. We're going to talk about Gen V the week after that over in Ringiverse. Mallory and I will be back, we hope and pray with some more Doctor Who content for you. There's just like a lot going on in both the house of our feed. We will obviously be here with our deep dive on Friday for Ahsoka as well. Mallory, that's just, it's a lot of content. How can folks yep. keep track of all of that? I'd recommend you follow the pod. Oh. 
Follow the pod on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the House of Our Feed. We're here twice a week. Follow the Ringerverse. Follow Prestige TV. Follow Tribe by Content. Follow all of it. And while you're at it, you can uh, keep tabs on all the latest happenings by following the various Ringerverse social handles. The Ringerverse is on Twitter. The Ringerverse is on Instagram. The Ringerverse is on TikTok. And I mean, you know this today most of all because it's a mailbag. Send your emails. Send your thoughts. Send your theories. Send your questions. Send your apple takes to hobbitsanddragons at gmail.com. Send your reasonably sized emails to hobbitsanddragons at gmail.com. Um, excellent stuff happening over in the email. Uh, thanks to all the bad babies in Brisbane who responded to my call for community. We got a lot of emails about that. Great stuff. Please send me photos when you guys all meet up in Brisbane and I'll be jealous. Um, last but not least, friendly neighborhood spoiler warning. I don't know. Everything always? Star Wars. Through all yeah. of time? Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a book, a comic, <laughs> um, a piece of fan art we saw once? Who knows what we might be talking about. But if it was Star Wars and it happened, we might talk about it. So that is what is on the table today. Mallory, without any further ado, should we just like get right into it? Let's do it. Oh my gosh. Dreamy. Speaking of dreams. Yeah. We got a lot of questions along this sort of line of like, Mallory and Joanna, please write future Star Wars. And I'm like, um, yes, Lucasfilm, are you listening? Of course, we would love to write future Star Wars. Um, <laughs> this question in particular comes from Finn who says... <laughs> What is the dream Star Wars story to tell if Lucasfilm chose to dip their toe back into genre storytelling, a la Marvel's Werewolf by Night special presentation? What characters, locations, hijinks do you want to see? I vote for a gritty detective noir set in the seedy underbelly of Coruscant. Gotta be as low as the levels where Luthen delivered his iconic monologue, or I don't want it. All right. I don't don't want it. Don't want it. Thank you, thank you, Kit Harrington, forever, uh, forever stuff. comedy legend, uh, Mallory Rubin. Mm. What's your dream sort yeah. of genre-y Star Wars yeah. film or TV project? Finn, I'd like to thank you for the excuse, dare I say, opportunity to talk about my favorite thing in the world, which is the prospect of one day getting a Star Wars romance slash erotic thriller. <laughs> Starring my favorite Star Wars couple of all time, Obi Wan Kenobi and Satine Kreese. I've yelled out of them lots. <laughs> no, that's the record. That's a new record. Under ten minutes, I love it. Had to beat it after uh, after last week. This will surprise absolutely nobody who is listening to the podcast that this is my pick, but I have to be true to myself. If I pretended that something else was my pick, you'd all know that I was lying, and I can't lie to you. I have to go with my heart, in part because Obi-Wan and Satine couldn't. And so we owe it to them to follow our heart in a way that they never felt like they were allowed to. Here's what I'm thinking. Season two Mm -hmm. of Obi-Wan Kenobi is a prequel. And so we keep going with Mm. Obi-Wan Kenobi as a rapper for little anthology snippets of stories across our beloved Obi's life. And maybe this opens with a shot of Ewan 
as Obi, like meditating or dreaming, and then we're ported back in time, and we get to spend a few beautiful episodes back in these youthful, mm-hmm. heady days. Mandalorian Civil War. Stop me if you've heard this before. There's conflict on Mandalore. <laughs> I'm, I broke my record for the earliest non-Rings of Power. Have you heard of them, lads? And uh, I, I think by the end of the pod, I'll stop. break my record for stop me if you've heard this before utterances. <laughs> I'm playing the hits today. A 16-year-old Obi-Wan Kenobi. Padawan of our beloved Qui-Gon Jinn. They're sent. They're deployed by council to help protect the young duchess from the Mandalorian traditionalists. They're bounty hunters who are uh, amid this scourge of civil war, attacking, pursuing, seeking to harm. And Obi and Satine, along with Qui-Gon, on the run. A year of turmoil, a year of peril, a year of uncertainty, and a year of Lust and love. Yearning. (laughs) Yearning. (laughs) Yearning tendrils, indeed. Yearning sabers here. They fall in love. Mm -hmm. They go back to their respective worlds and respective responsibilities. They regret it forever. We know this because of the canon that we've already been treated to, right? Voyage of Temptation, one of the Clone Wars episodes that I reference most often. Season 2, episode 13. You know, we get that great moment where... Obi-Wan is explaining to Anakin, I live by the Jedi code. And Anakin says, this quotes Yoda about (laughs) Jedi must not form attachments. Classic stuff. What does Obi-Wan say? Yes. But he usually leaves out the undercurrent of remorse. Elsewhere in that episode, we get that beautiful moment between Satine and Obi when she says, I've loved you from the moment you came to my aid all those years ago. This is when she thinks she's about to be killed. And he says, Satine, this is hardly the time or the place for, and then withers. (laughs) In the face of her gaze, we'll see more of that. And he says, all right, had you said the word, I would have left the Jedi Order. So this is the story we're treated to. The moments that lead up to that, if you had said the word, I would have left the Jedi Order point. And I think this would be absolutely magical. I think we deserve this. And I want to see this story. That is my pitch. I have a few other ones I'd love to see that I could shoot your way in rapid fire fashion after we hear your pitch, but that's top of my list. What do you think? Well, my question is, are we calling this Obi-2 Kenobi colon wet dreams in the desert? (laughs) Wet dreams in the the dry desert? Moisture forming indeed. (laughs) From the desert comes the wet dreams. Bad baby. Oh, boy. (laughs) This is what's so funny is I was sure this was going to be your answer to the next prompt. I was so confident. Yeah. I I, I went with it here. I I considered it for the next one. You're like, not enough. We need more more time. I need more time. I need more time. Exactly. Yeah. What's your pitch? Um, what genre I too am with? pitching a TV series because Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. who's, who's making those these days? No one. Oh, <laughs> except, you know, who's supposed to make a Star Wars movie? Uh, so we are told James Mangold. And I say, James, don't hold your breath. How about instead you give us a TV series? And how about instead of your very cool idea of the beginning of the force? How about instead, I'm, this is a basic pitch. Everyone and their mother wants this, but like, it's because it's so good. Why don't we have a Dr. Afra adventure serial TV series already? If you are not familiar with this character, 
this is sort of the female Indiana Jones, as people like to say, sort of um, not wholly on the right side of the law, a rogue, a rapscallion, if you will, uh, but also a, a collector of items. Um, the popular dream casting for Dr. Afra is uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s Chloe Bennett, but also a lot of people would love to see uh, Palm Clementif. But mm. I'm saying either mm-hmm. one of those ladies would be incredible. And Wonderful. I am looking for like a like really recapture the old school Indiana Jones or what inspired Indiana Jones, the like old, old school That's, like yeah. serials um, directed by James Mangold, written by, say it with me now, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah, of course. It has of to be. Yeah, Lee Lee. Um, yeah. If you've if you've read the Afra Adventures, she's got like two droid murder bots that chill out with her. There's uh, we could bring in Chrysanthemum, who we met in Book of Boba Fett uh, as a Wookiee bounty hunter. There's just like a lot of like cool characters, cool opportunities to interact with you know more familiar canonical characters, but like also you could just splinter her off. And this is a good answer to a later question we'll have about like sort of cultures and Star Wars. Like this is an opportunity for us to just like explore and dive deep into like a bunch of new worlds and planets that don't have lightsabers buried in the desert uh, uh, upon them. And I, I just don't know. This is like such a gimme. I do not know why they haven't done this uh, yeah. yet. It feels How do you feel inevitable. about this? Oh, yeah. I love it. I, yeah. I, I love the idea. I love the prospect and I will be overjoyed when this inevitably is announced in a, a yeah. couple of years. You're right. I mean, it, it has to be on the short list for for future projects. I think this would be wonderful. Um, I love I love that this could range in tone and like it like is this what's the violence level and the kind of like intensity that you're I think I'm, I think I'm just looking for I'm looking for original indie level yeah. violence. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so more of the more in the adventure mold than yeah. the like. I need to watch this Star Wars After Dark. Okay, I, I yeah. like this. I think this is appropriate. I do have a. I'll build off that with one of my my runners up, which Please. I'm gonna. I am pitching a Star Wars After Dark. Smuggle away. I want like a hard R action adventure mystery starring Cad Bane. Like, okay, I don't mean to take away from anything that we got in the Mandalorian, which as you know, for seasons one and two and occasionally in three, I love. Right. But you know how in the early Mando days, before we all fell under the Grogu spell and like embraced with joy, again, to be clear, joy in our hearts, what Mando was actually going to be. There was a lot of the Favreau, of the like week. discussion of the, this is like the seedy, dark underbelly right. of Star Wars. And there's like right. so some of that in Mando, but not, it it morphed in a beautiful way that I am grateful for into something else. But I am sort of like, what if we got that hard R bounty hunter weekly adventure? Who better than Cad? And I think like, to your point on the Afro front about popping around to different planets, interacting with different people, some new, some familiar, this would be a really fun way to like follow have a through line via a central figure, but every week is fresh. And I mean, I'm not necessarily pitching like a Punisher level of violence here, <laughs> but I do think with Cad Bane, you could do something pretty 
pretty intense if you really wanted on the, like, what the genre prompted mind here to do something that felt, like, distinct from some of the other things we've gotten in Star Wars. And, of course, also with CAD, you'd have the option to set it in, like, a couple different places in the timeline. Uh, like, why wouldn't we want to watch Cad Bane use all of his gadgets to pry fingernails off of the bounties that he's hunting? It's, it's I, I'm, I'm into it. I don't know if Disney Plus is into it, but I'm into it. Um, can I hit you with, uh, one of my smuggles? Well, give me one of your, give me one of your, yeah, your It's not runners up. terribly inventive, but I think we all know that it is a, a hit right at the gate. It is Star Wars, colon, literally anything Cobb Vanth. Show us Cobb Vanth, you cowards. Get out of the back to Cobb Vanth. Whatever, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. yeah. Tim's how done many, making How many days has it been? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so for the greater good of the Cobb Vanth um, community, just like make it happen, you know? I love this. I think we need it again. I think we deserve it. Yeah. Rewatching some of Justified to to get ready to get ready for Primeval. It's just like there's nothing quite like having Timio in your life as as the lead of a show. But nothing I think quite like I it. think we're gonna need we're gonna need Walton is like what City Primeval like taught us is that we're gonna need Walton Goggins and Timothy Oliphant like give us so is <laughs> give Goggins us space the boy who, Crowder is is Goggins the figure in your pitch yeah who pulls Cobb Van out. Of Tatooine? Yeah. Or do you want another he's gonna be chasing? He's, Are you no. daring to say no. on, on this episode Please. of House of War that you want another series set on Tatooine? Please, dear Lord, we're spending like... <laughs> we're going to spend 10 minutes on Tatooine and then we're off on a, on a cross-galaxy yeah. okay. rip-roaring Into adventure it. after. But, you know, they, they dug moisture yeah. together. Whoever's... <laughs> beautiful. Space Boy Crowder. Called Doug Moisture together and tattooing him, but he's got to go stop him because he's like, you know, doing crimes all over in the outer room, something like that. You know, they dug crate dragon pearls together. Yeah, it's beautiful. You're onto something here. All right, my final runner up for you. Yeah, but I, I feel strongly about this the more I think about it, and especially with this like genre prompt. What have we not really gotten as like a primary focus. It's there in the background. Mm-hmm. It's there for maybe an 11-minute scene in the middle of a movie. Star Wars, colon, a sports story. Let's get some Star Wars sports stories. I have two specific ideas for you. One, a bringing down the house slash 21-esque look at a Sabacc hustler. Like, Ooh. we've gotten little glimpses of this, right, when we see Lando cheat. What if that were the premise of an entire story? That would be amazing. Yeah. That would be Think really of all fun. the little seedy spots you'd get to visit. Yeah. This would be great. Or we could do an entire series, maybe like a docudrama style pod racing. Yeah, yeah. Like pounce on that Formula One craze. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah. Look at you. You were about to invoke Formula One. I was. Amazing. <laughs> because because of you talking to me about it incessantly. Yes. Uh, yeah, just, I'm still just waiting for your update on how far you are in Drive to Survive. Just waiting for your update. <laughs> That's fine. I'll be patient. <laughs> <laughs> Hands on a pod body. I don't know. What would we call what uh, would we call your docuseries about uh, pod racers? Man. Nope. I broke her. Okay. To next drive. <laughs> Drive to Sebulba. <laughs> that's that's what I'm going with. I was with. trying to rhyme with pod, like pod instead of drive, but, you know, 
<laughs> you would think I would know some rhymes for pod, and yet here we are. Uh, All I got is God. All right. Um, pod Squad 5. Pod That's Squad Steve's 5. Suggestion. Steve, Steve is good at this. This and impressions. Um, and cat sitting. Okay. Anything else we want to say in this category? I had a lot of other thoughts, but I, I think this is what I'm content to pitch for now. You know, okay. there's a lot of possibilities. Thank you, Finn. If, if you secretly Call us work, Lucasfilm. If you secretly work for <laughs> Lucasfilm, do give us a ring. And then we got a similar prompt from Brandon, mm-hmm. which, and this is much a much brisker prompt, which is what it basically what is our dream Tales of the Jedi project? One 15 to 30. I mean, the Tales of the Jedi aren't that long. 15 to 30 minutes. Zippy. That's too long. Zip, zip, zippity yeah. doodah. What this is, is like and, a and, 12 to 18 minute? Yeah. And Mal was like, three of them like you know uh ahsoka got three duku got three three and i was like no one episode so one i was like what what do you mean content can be 18 minutes (laughs) keep it tight tighten up mal what is your one zippy little tale of a jedi you would like to tell so i did consider going with the obi-wan satine uh, stretch here of course but since i since i picked that for my genre pitch i don't know if this is recency bias i'm willing to concede that it might be but a few weeks into Ahsoka, my pitch is Balin. I'm thinking of nice one. Huyang saying to Ahsoka in part one, Master and Apprentice, after studying the hollow footage of the hilts, in the last 500 years, I've only known one student who built a saber such as this. And that is the <laughs> setting for my mini-sode. I want to be there for the forging of Balin's blade. I want to understand what made it so unique and distinct. I want to understand what was in his soul that he poured it into the blade, what he heard when his kyber crystal called to him, all of it. And I think you could potentially build around that idea for an entire subsequent season of Tales of the Jedi built around like you could do, we, we kind of joke about this, but what if you leaned into the steer, leaned into the skid like, oh, this person also survived Order 66, and that's the collection of characters for season two of Tales of the Jedi, and we learn something new about all of them. Like, you get Balin, you get Cal Kestis, you get Quinlan Vos, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's uh, so funny. That's I my a, pitch. I have a similar but different yes and to you, which is, like, I'm imagining... Did you ever watch um, Jim Henson's A Storyteller with John Hurt? Mm-hmm. Um, so for folks who um, did not grow up in around the 80s or or uh, explore old media. Jim Henson's a storyteller is a TV series where John Hurt as a storyteller would like sit by the fire and like start to tell you a story. And then we would go, yeah. it's similar to Shelley Duvall's fairy tale theater where basically you would go get a um like a an old fairy tale that had Henson puppetry in it. It's just like one of the best things ever. So what if instead of John Hurt by the fire, we get Hu Yang and it's like uh, Tales of the Saber or something like that. And it's just like every episode is like him yeah. talking about, you know, some love it. something around a specific blade. And that dovetail in- into my pitch, which can go under the series. Um, and it, mine is about also about the forging of a blade, but it is wicka wicka mace windu. Uh, this has been explored in oh, comics. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, Huyang is there in the comics, but I would love to have young Mace Windu and his amethyst kyber crystal forging the blade, how he like struggled with it, how he failed mm-hmm. around it and how he ultimately succeeded. Um, I, you know, I love, I love Mace Windu. I would love more time with Mace. So I think he's a Jedi Great definitely one. deserving of a tale, but I think we pitched a whole new series. In fact, to Lucasfilm. So once again, 
Do call us. <laughs> We're waiting. Uh, that's a great one. Would you also have a Mace Tales minisode that confirmed his survival? Somehow Mace returned. That's so funny. That coming in a last future time season? I brought this up, you're like, you were so firmly he's dead. You're in the he's I'm not, dead camp. I, I know, but I know you like the theory. <laughs> I know. And like we could get Samuel, like Samuel Jackson would be thrilled to voice Mace Windu, don't you think, in like a Tales of the Jedi episode? Um, not- I never trust a fall in Star Wars, as you yeah. know, but a fall following an extraordinary concentration of evil force lightning is uh, is tougher. <laughs> Sounds invigorating to me, honestly. Um, uh, <laughs> I was just watching, I was actually just watching a video where Matthew Lillard was talking about how his character from Scream, Stu, is definitely like still alive. And, and everyone's like, <laughs> they dropped a TV on you. He's like, I'll drop a TV on you right now to prove to you that my character could still be alive. Anyway, bring back Lillard for a uh, another Scream installment. Next, this email comes from Christian. And Christian writes, and please forgive my pronunciation. We went back and forth on how we pronounce this. The term Glupshito is what we've decided to go with. Glupshito was originally intended to be a dig at Star Wars fans, specifically the way we lap up cameo appearances like Luke Skywalker lapping up Milka and Octo. But recently, from the teat. <laughs> right from the give us those cameos right from the teat. Still warm. <laughs> but recently, the term has been repurposed as a noun to describe your favorite obscure background character in Star Wars. I'm a firm believer that everyone should have their own Glupshito. For example, mine is Bulio from Rise of Skywalker. I often find that my favorite rewatchable scene <laughs> in the film is Bulio telling Finn Fen- and Poe to win the war. Um, <laughs> there was a request for uh, an impression. Um, Move over, Mark Hamill. Yeah, move over, Steve Allman. <laughs> no, I don't want to hear Steve Allman's Bulio. It's better than mine. Bonus Smuggle, class of our, classic House of Our Style. Are there any background characters in other fandoms you found a particular obsession or fondness for? So here's the prompt. What is your background Star Wars character that like no one else cares about but you care about? And then smuggle in one from another property franchise, whatever you want to do. I've got two little smuggles there. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? How do you feel? Go for it. I'll start with my Star Wars, and then I'll go to your Star Wars, and then we'll, okay. then we'll do our, our bonuses. Um, my Star Wars one, this is, I told you before we started recording, this is the easiest thing I've ever done in my whole entire <laughs> life was come up with my my Star Wars answers to that, mm-hmm. to this. It is in uh, a little film called The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we first are reacquainted with Han Solo. Yeah. And... You know, some receipts come due. Mm-hmm. And someone walks up and he goes, tell that to Kanja Club. Tell that to Kanja Club <laughs> is one of my favorite Star Wars lines of wow. all times. Okay. I love that line. Great so one. shout out. That's my, that's my answer. Incredible. I, I, spent, I spent years <laughs> just saying, tell that to Kanja Club with like no, no actual real good reason to say it. It's just delightful to say. What's Great your one. answer? Um, I'll just use this opportunity to say that because of, of Bulio's prominent placement in the question, if anyone has not seen the YouTube video titled Episode 9, but only when Bulio is on it's screen, so funny. I would encourage you to watch it because it is a, uh, a, a cut of Rise of Skywalker that only features Bulio scenes and it is it's 14 seconds. Really good. <laughs> so 
funny. It's like really you see good. the title and you're like, oh my God, how many? Oh, I want 14 seconds. It's hysterical. I rewatched re- that this morning just to make sure that <laughs> so my Bulio good. impression wasn't like terrible. And I was, I laughed really hard. And the best so, part, yeah. it's like, it's like the two brief exchanges and then just ends with the slapping his of head. his severed head onto the table. So Incredible good. content, remarkable stuff. I absolutely love that this is Christian's pick. Okay. So peek behind the curtain. Uh, this was one of the first questions that I was like, let's definitely do this one. I love it. What a fun question. And then when it came time to pick, as I told you before we recorded, I went into an absolute spiral. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to answer this. I don't know what my pick is, who my pick is, because I think I am caught between, and Christian does a good job of sketching out the evolution from meme to like full embrace of this idea. But I think I'm still more, still in the embrace way, but more in the like original, maybe like meme definition space of this is a character who is a a character somewhere in canon or legends or whatever the case may be, but isn't necessarily mainstream. And then there's some reason that they come back into the public consciousness and you like flip out and you're overjoyed and a lot of other people are like literally who and what are you talking about and are you okay and do you need a Gatorade so even though that's not what Christian is asking that was still where my mind went with it and I don't think you'll be super surprised by my pick here either my pick is Gunji because he's like featured in the gathering arc in Clone Wars one of the younglings who is seeking the kyber crystal and forging the blade and when Gunji appeared on our screens for the season two Bad Batch trailer. We're talking like a flash, like an instant. It was, my reaction, like if somebody knew me and knew what I cared about but didn't know exactly the context of what I was talking about in that moment and saw my response, they would have been like, did they announce a date for the Winds of Winter? And it would be like, no, we got like 0.2 seconds of Gunji in the Bad Batch season two trailer. Did you just sit through four hours of a block of ice melting so that you could... (laughs) Find out the date of the new season of Game of Thrones. What a time that was. I have an an actual, like, vivid memory of watching that ice melt. Vivid. I Um, was in Neil Miller's uh, house in Austin, Texas, because it was during, like, South By or something like that. And I was just like... I was sitting in the Sunset Gower offices, the old Ringer offices, just, like, unable to leave my desk for, like, sustenance, bathroom breaks, anything. (laughs) Just like, I can't. I can't I was, walk away. <laughs> I was downstairs in Neil's living room with like my hand hovering over the like publish button on my article that I had pre-written, right? And then Neil was up in his office and we were just yelling back and forth at each other that it was like still happening. And it was, I've never been one. more aggravated by anything. Anyway, sorry. That's what, a, what a memory. What a memory. But yeah, I want to know more about Gunji, like a Wookiee who is also a Jedi on the run for all this time, facing trials. I, I just want, I want, I want Gunji in the center of a Star Wars story. That's my pick. Um, I did consider picking Biggs. I think that Biggs is a pretty popular selection and it's easy to see why. Uh, so we'll throw out Biggs as like a, a consideration. Um, I was going to ask you if you thought, again, this is more in the like, this is d- definitive and decidedly not a background character. This is not the new definition, but in the first definition, if you thought Eli, my guy Eli Vanto was eligible because that's a like, oh my God, every casting for Ahsoka, I'm having a like absolute conniption wondering if this might be Eli and if that felt like it it qualified in the first definition. I think 
for my definition, I don't yeah. think you're going like obscure enough, yeah. but I'm not going to hold you to it. I support you. We, you know, Leo and the 14 second rule. It's uh, not applicable. That's the yeah. that's the the new thing that Christian is sketching out. But I, I think I'm just still in that there that is OG meme camp. Tell that to Kanja Club uh, edit. But it, love is, the meme, it is even you know? less than 14 seconds. I think for good old Balatique <laughs> in the Force Awakens. Yeah. So okay. you know, you know, I'll keep I'll keep mulling. I'll keep thinking about it. I think everybody who has uh, ever appeared in Star Wars canon is just like a main character in my heart, and that's uh, true. I, I I enjoy that part of this. And this I love idea. that you're like you're great. very true to, to your heart in that. You're like, and and this is why there should be a whole series about them. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know that I want to know more about Balatique. I just <laughs> like that he exists. The same with Bulio. I like that it's 14 seconds of Bulio. Uh, you know what I mean? So Yeah. Um, I'm just still, you know, again, that like every time a new Star Wars movie or show is announced, all the fans are like, oh my God, Gloop Shido is back, which is the original yeah. uh, Tumblr post that sparked the meme. I'm like, yeah. And that's great. That's a great thing about Star Wars fans. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. I have two non-Star Wars <laughs> examples for you. Okay. Um, one is, and I'm sure I've told this story on podcast years ago, but nothing, nothing since I've been at the ringer for sure. Um, even though a couple weeks ago on Trial by Content, I talked about the film Newsies and how much I love the film Newsies, which I do. But for some reason when I was a kid, when I first watched Newsies, I like fixated on this background Newsie and I couldn't tell you why. And he has like two sung through lines and like maybe three lines of dialogue and that's it. And he is nobody's favorite Newsie, but he's my favorite Newsie. And his name, his character's name is Skittery and he's played by an actor, Michael A. Gorgian, who you might know uh, if you ever watched Party Five or if you watched SLC Punk. Um, like he's been in some things, but he is barely in Newsies. And he was like my favorite Newsie before I'd ever seen him in like something else. I just, for some reason, fixated on him. So cut to many, many, many years later. Um, and I didn't even know he's from the barrier, but I didn't know that. And I was walking down the streets of San Francisco and it was Valentine's day and I walked past him and he is like someone, nobody Nobody with love and respect. He won an Emmy, but no one like really cares about this guy, right? And I walked past him and I was like, oh my God, that was Michael Gorgian. That's my favorite newsie. Oh my God. And then I was like, Incredible. I was like, Joanna, it is the day of St. Valentine. And if not on St. Valentine, whence? So I turned yeah. back around and I went back yes. to him. And I was like, and I never talk to actors on the street. That's a weird, I think it's a weird thing to do, but I was like, hi, I just wanted to let you know. That you're my favorite newsie, and his face did light up like it was Christmas because I don't think literally Incredible. anyone said those words in that succession to him ever in his life. Um, and then he was ha- he's a director now, and he was like doing a film screening, and he asked me to he was like come to the film screening or whatever, and I didn't go because I was too nervous to go. But like that is my Joanna <laughs> Valentine's Day story. And then just the other day, and I think the reason he's on my mind is just the other day, Uh, I got a publicity email, and he's got a new film. Nobody paid me to say this, but I'm going to say it. He's got a new film that he wrote and directed and (laughs) starred in called uh, Americazzi, Mm -hmm. which is the Armenian selection for the, uh, you know, um, what do they call it now? Not foreign language. International. International uh, film at the Oscars. So Amerikoski, I haven't seen it yet, but it looks really good. And he's still out there thriving. My favorite newsie. So that's that's my guy, Skittery. He's the best. So this is just a beautiful... 
Like a, a, just a beautiful story. It's what not a wonderful very, thing. It's not very ringer verse. My more ringer versey answer because I was it's trying to prompt right. you to like come up with one. Is I was yeah. like, what about Lord of the Rings? And you and I both watch Lord of the Rings every year. Yes. You know, we're coming with, up on the the, know, the, the, the moment on the time. calendar. About time for that. Thanksgiving uh, rewatch, that holiday rewatch. Can't wait. You and Adam watch it every year Thanksgiving. Diane and I watch it every year at uh, Christmas. And over the years, we have just developed these like inside just these like lines that we say back. You know, it's just like something you do if you watch something together every single year. And the very first year we watched it together in uh, the Two Towers, right before um, Sam and Frodo get nabbed by Faramir, et cetera, uh, like the Oliphant moment. There's like a, there's a, a, a battle in, uh, there's a, a bit of a fight. Um, and um, Diana was looking away and she looked back and there was a guy, uh, there was a close up of a guy's face and she's like, Ooh, who's that? And I was like, Diana, that's a dead guy. Cause it's just like this guy who falls off the elephant and they just do like a close up of his face on the ground. And I, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. He's yeah. extremely good looking, yep. but he uh-huh. is dead and so <laughs> yeah quite every dead. year like like it's <laughs> oh my our own God. like it's our own rocky horror picture show every Incredible. single year we have to go uh that's a dead guy every time he lands on the ground so it's it's the this it's is the very hot stuff. i believe he's an easterling uh dead guy from the two towers uh mal wow. urban what's this your... is a real real safe space today <laughs> i love it i love it is i it? love it okay I feel like I've learned so much about you and I'm enriched by the experience. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> Genuinely. Great. <laughs> this is the beauty of a mailbag. Um, okay. I am going to offer up quickly one other Star Wars possibility oh, that maybe yeah. honors the Bulio spirit a little bit more. Uh, what about what about our guy Groomgar? From yeah. Yeah, Maz's yeah. Cantina yes. in Force Awakens. Yes. I think any Cantina resident is a good... Is a candidate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And the way that, and you know, his uh, partner? Well, let's go with partner. Partner. <laughs> Bazine is the one who, one of the, one of the characters who, who rats out our pals, like makes the call. But, you know, we just kind of glimpse the heft and might and menace of Grum. Mm-hmm. And I think that's compelling. There's some, there's some, some like intrigue there. You see that, that figure and that force, you see the way that everybody else in the cantina is like, I'm going to leave you to sit on your throne and I'm going to give you the space that you need. And I'm going to cram with all these other people in this corner and huddle this, around the table where there's no extra inspired space. Inspired pick. Great pick. Let's go with that. Yeah. Okay. Great. Two picks from Force Awakens. (laughs) We did it. We both genuinely enjoy. Okay, here's my non-Star Wars pick. And is it a dead guy? Is it a hot dead guy from one of the uh, this character is eventually gruesomely murdered? (laughs) 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 Um, I again don't know if this character is totally eligible because there's a a plot line and a storyline where this character is featured uh, and has some lines and is uh, uh, some comic relief for, but it's a finite, contained moment in time. And it's a beautiful moment. And it's a moment I think about all the time. And it's a moment I want to live in. And it's our, our time with Molestown Whore in Game of Thrones. <laughs> Molestown Whore is my pick. Yeah. Uh, and yep. yep. Yes. You know, Sam made a lot of mistakes, and I don't think that was the appropriate place for Gilly uh, and our, our, our beautiful, beloved baby to be sequestering 
and things took a, a horrible bloody turn. But we got to see the little like pinky finger hangnail joke from Molestown Horror before everything mm-hmm. went horribly awry. And I felt uh, forever changed by the experience. And Molestown Horror is my pick. Literally every time I rewatch Thrones and we get to see Molestown Horror and spend some time with Molestown Horror, I'm like, <laughs> why does Molestown Horror not have a spinoff? Why? Why are we not at the Molestown brothel I- all the time? <laughs> Have I ever told you so one year, you know, Con of Thrones is a convention that you and I used to uh, uh, attend. Wonderful. Yes. wonderful. And the that was very where we first, met for the first time. I know. The very first year that <laughs> we that I did it, you were not there. And we did a um like a panel that was like best spin-off. It was like it was sort of like a great debate live thing that we did, but for best spin-off. Um and to this day, this is one of my favorite ideas I've ever heard. Is that someone pitched a Golden Girls-esque <laughs> show called where do whores go and it was all the like sex workers of westeros had like retired to the summer isles or something like that and just like sat around on their wicker furniture talking about the old days of sex work in westeros Tyrion is green lighting this immediately i know it's great (laughs) (laughs) um all right our next pick our next question comes from someone who signed their email babu frick and how can i not uh, you know, our our the owner of the bad baby uh line himself. Our well, beloved really. bad baby. Our beloved ba- yep, there he goes. <laughs> ba boo. All right. Yeah, that's this is about Babu's the fu- kind. Babu's kind. This is about the future of Grogu. Okay. So we're about to do some it's not girl math, it's Star Wars math. Are you ready? My friend pointed out some math that would suggest whether or not Grogu would be a baby in a future Ray movie. Yodi in the original trilogy mentions being 900 years old, but training Jedi for 800. This would mean that at 100 years old, he was definitely not a baby. Grogu is 50 in season one of Mando, which would make him, I think, 71 during Force Awakens. Species age differently is kind of a free pass to make him not fully grown adult at that age. And personally, I think adult or even speaking age Grogu might be a tricky biscuit to make work. I'd adore seeing him and Ray together. So I'm curious how you all think he'd appear developmentally, both in terms of following canon rules and also what will work best for us viewers. So Mallory Rubin, is Grogu still a bad baby in a future film appearance or are we going to have to grapple with adult Grogu at some point? My goodness, (laughs) this really... This sent me into just a, a number of places thinking about the future of, of Grogu stories. So on the time frame, Grogu math. I know front, you can't resist a timeline. Yes. Can't well, can't resist, but I think it's allowed in this case because it's part of the it's no, part no, no. of the prompt. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Tell me if I'm wrong here, but the Ray movie in question is supposed to be set, and obviously things can change on the Star Wars movie front. 15 years after Rise of Skywalker, right? So we're talking 50 ABY, which means that Grogu would actually be like 90, 91. Time to train some Jedi, you know? So I think it, it actually makes the, the question even more... I agree with you. ...germane. Okay. Malmath. <laughs> a perilous place to be. <laughs> if Grogu is about a decade away from that Yoda 100-year mark, it's it's really worth us thinking thinking about this. Okay. First thing, we do not yet know enough about the Yoda, Yaddle, Grogu species to make 
any kind of deduction or generalization about how members of this species typically progress. Like, is the maturity and advancement that Yoda exhibited at 100 typical? Is it atypical? We genuinely have no way of knowing. So I think that gives us and the creators who I have to assume want Grogu to remain a baby forever a lot of leeway, a lot of room to play. However, I think the tricky thing here is that it is important that Grogu keep advancing and keep learning and keep evolving. So if we think about that 100-year marker as Yoda becoming a Jedi master, right? Like, that's the milestone that we're crossing then. And of course, if you're a Jedi master, you're starting to teach in some capacity. That doesn't necessarily mean that Yoda was, like, overseeing and leading things in the capacity that we're accustomed to seeing him in, in, like, the prequels, say. Do I think that when he is 90, Grogu will have learned enough, will have progressed enough in his four studies to teach other people something? to have mastered the force? My answer is yes. Now, does that mean that we want to see Grogu no longer in his sweet little like bone broth sipping phase? Babbling and cooing? I don't know. But like, here's the other thing with Grogu that I think makes this tough to even I like project. Don't want I don't it. want it. <laughs> I don't okay, want remember it. Remember in the... Uh, Star Wars story that we somehow reference and invoke the most. The Book of Boba Fett. Chapter 6. Luke is training Grogu and Ahsoka is talking about the training and Luke says it's more like he's remembering than I'm actually teaching him anything. I think we have to keep that in mind in terms of like acknowledging that we can't properly assess where Grogu even is, right? It's like an arrested development sort of situation. Because if you think about the Jedi and Ahsoka's assessment... Like, I mean, that was that really dark, like, better to let his abilities fade fear assessment from Ahsoka. But we learned that he had been in hiding post-Order 66. He had repressed his abilities so that he wouldn't be detected. So he lost 28 years. There's more Star Wars math for you. Between Order 66 and coming into the caring clan Mudhorn embrace of progress, of study, of growth. And so it's like coming back to him rapidly. Maybe that means he will be at the Yoda pace and we just can't really tell now. And maybe it means that he is off that pace because his life and his upbringing were very different than Yoda's. And then I think the other variable is just that he's not just training to be a Jedi, right? He and Din are off on their Mandalorian adventures now. And Grogu has all of this other stuff that he's learning. Like our guy got that run, that he got his, his, his little shirt, Joe, the shirt, you got the shirt. And then he got his, his rondel and he's learning how to be a Mandalorian. So does that accelerate being ready to teach because he's learning all these things? Yeah, the mithril and the hubcap on the chest is like double protection for the chest. Just don't like shoot him in the ear or anything like that because he's not protected. Um, I don't want adult Grogu. There, I said it. I just don't want it. Yeah. But, okay, is it adult Grogu? That's the question. Because like, when did Anakin take on a Padawan? When did Anakin become a Jedi Knight? When did Anakin take on Ahsoka and start teaching someone else? He was 19. Like, Obi-Wan was 25 when he took on Anakin as his apprentice. So I think that Grogu could still be in his like 
teen slash early 20s equivalent of being like a youngster, a precocious youngster, and also start to pass on what he has learned. I don't think he has to be in the like, I'm using a cane and my wisps no, of not, white I'm hair tickling the back yeah, of my neck face. I didn't say I don't want an old and infirm Yoda. I, uh, <laughs> Grogu. I just don't want like, I don't, yeah. I'm just like uncertain I even want a Grogu who speak. can talk at all. This is something we talked about a lot in yeah. Mando season three. So like, I, know. I don't tough. personally want it. Um, I am uh, so sure we are going to get it. You know, like Grogu is going to be uh, wrung dry in terms of uh, content, yeah. but I don't, I don't want to, but then I'm happy to eat my words if I'm wrong. You know what I mean? Like I thought I didn't want Grogu as a name and here we are using it constantly. Can't, can't so, imagine you know, being called I anything else. But you know. <laughs> I, I was just like, so like, whoa, are we sure when we heard Grogu? I would like to hit that sweet spot between Grogu preserving this like very particular and magical essence of cute while also allowing Grogu to continue to evolve for him to be a character on an arc because we love a character on an arc I mean, but still we, be a precious baby who steals macaroons and then um, burps them up when the, the, when I think the ship spins prob- too fast. I think there's a problem <laughs> that like, I think that you run into a problem if you, if you do develop him, then do you risk turning him into something like that is not as great as the thing that drew us all into the first place, which is the babbles and the bombs and all that sort of stuff like that. If you keep him young forever, then I start to worry about like the arrested development element. I'm like, how arrested is this, is this development? Does Grogu need more intensive space therapy? Like, should we take him to the world between worlds? Like, what should we do? Does, uh, does, does, uh, you know, force dust Anakin Skywalker, does Hayden want to like, you know, help Grogu work through his issues as well? I would watch it, but you know, here we go. Same. All right. Next question comes from both Rachel and Rob. This is a twofer. Um, this is a house of reads question. This is a, this is a star Wars recommends uh, question. The Rob's question is about Thrawn, uh, and Rob is specifically talking about audiobooks, right? Uh, drives a lot for work, wondering which Thrawn novel I'm supposed to start with. So that's the mm-hmm. easy prompt. And then the slightly harder prompt is that Rachel wrote in saying that she has a very like precocious reader of a nephew's 12, loves uh, Tolkien, um, and uh, is not super into Harry Potter. Um, or, you know, has read Harry Potter, but like, you know, what kind of Star Wars content would a kid who loves Tolkien, too cool, quote unquote, for Harry Potter, what kind of Star Wars books uh, would this kid like? Do you want me to start with some thoughts or do you want to go first? Uh, go for it. And I think the other part of the question that it's worth maybe oh. quickly hitting yeah. is just like the prompt about whether it's worth reading Legends books oh. still, which was uh, right. a really interesting, really interesting uh, thing to see and hear. Um, Joe, hit us. What are some of your, I will just say as a, a tease that I don't know what books are appropriate for 12 year olds or what a 12 year old would like. I have, I've always been terrible at that. So I will just offer up some of my favorites. <laughs> what, uh, what about you? What are you, what are you recommending? I. Uh, I asked 
a children's uh, bookseller that I know mm, um, nice. about this on the Star Wars front. And then something she recommended to me, and I haven't gotten to read, I haven't gotten into the, the High Republic stuff, mm-hmm. but she was saying that the sort of the newish um, yeah. High Republic, you know, they, they started this whole High Republic arm of storytelling, yes. which, which takes us back uh, in time, so sort of divorces us from the Star Wars, uh, the meat of the Star Wars saga, um, and that like sort of universally the most beloved are are these two installments, Light of the Jedi and Rising mm-hmm. Storm, by yeah. Charles Soule and uh, I have Kevin Light of the Scott, Jedi on my list. Yeah. who um, they both came out in 2021. The Rising Storm, uh, most people agree, uh, is. Um, the better one, but Light of the Jedi is the first one. So, like, if if this is a kind of kid who like doesn't mind d- diving into sort of like in medias res of a story, that the Rising Storm might have a better chance of hooking him sort of like uh, narratively. But if uh, like Mallory Rubin, they're completists and they want to start at the very beginning, then Light of the Jedi is is where they yeah. should start. Was the recommendation I got but i think for and we'll you know i'll let mal talk about thrawn in a little bit more depth in a second but like i think in terms of like if 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 you're talking about a 12 year old who loves tolkien like the language of tolkien then i would say no one has written star wars with more elevated language than timothy's on in my limited experience claudia gray maybe like close second but like um yeah like yeah. Anyway, what what did what did you want to say, Mallory? Um, it's just I, I love love the question, love the idea of people discovering Star Wars novels for the first time, and people of any age. So uh, while acknowledging that I love Rachel's question, which you answer beautifully and with specific intent and precision and care, I'll just use it as an excuse to talk about if anyone is like, "Hey, I want to yeah. start." Yeah. Like I, I I haven't read these. It seems like there's a lot. Where do I begin? I'll offer up just there are a lot of Star Wars novels. There are obviously a ton of Legends novels. There are the, the, the volume of new canon novels has grown rapidly. So it can already feel like overwhelming. There's no bad place to start. That's the truth. Like pick a character you like, pick a moment in the time, in the timeline that you're interested in learning more about and start there and then continue to explore. I'll share like a few of my favorites and a few that feel like maybe germane for where we are right now in Star Wars stories. Um, on the legends, on the legends front, though, but before before I hit some of the titles, Rachel had asked, "There's just so much. Are legends even worth it now that they're not canon?" So, I think that like my answer to that is, it depends on what you're looking for when you're setting out to read a Star Wars novel. Like, right. if you are specifically seeking to have an expanded understanding of continuity in canon, then obviously Legends, like, isn't going to achieve that as uh, fully as a canon novel. But as we talk about a lot on our pods, and we talk about this a lot with Filoni, like, modern-day Disney canon, new canon Star Wars creators are very interested, Filoni obviously top of the list, in pulling elements from Legends back into the canon. And so if that, like, maybe helps you say, oh, maybe this character who I'm going to learn about in Legends, like, we'll be back in the canon one day or whatever the case may be, you can, I think you could talk yourself into it that way. But I would just say more broadly, like, if you've got the time and you've got the interest, don't worry about the continuity in the canon. There are so many wonderful legend stories that are just like a great way to spend more time in the world, like to inhabit a galaxy far, far away and 
we can start there with like the Rob smuggle with the Thrawn question. Cause I think one of the questions that a lot of people have, and we've talked about this before yeah. is do I, if I'm interested in exploring Thrawn novels, I'm interested in doing it now because Thrawn is about to make his live action debut in Ahsoka. Possibly tonight. I, I mean, I, it's Joe, it could be tonight. I, we don't know, but it's possible. It's today. It might be Thrawn o'clock. We don't know. <laughs> Dragon screech. That brought out a dragon screech in me. Thrilling. <laughs> Do I start with yeah. these fabled novels that I've been hearing about from Star Wars fans for eons? Do I start with the Heir of the Empire trilogy, which are legends? Or do I start with new canon? This is another one of my like no bad place to start answers because these are all wonderful. I, if you want one place to start, I would recommend the new canon yes. Star Wars Thrawn trilogy, which is Thrawn, Thrawn Alliances, and Thrawn Treason. Se- 2017, 2018, 2019, also by our guy Tim Zahn. Um, the events overlap with like a period in time in Star Wars canon that you are most likely to be like incredibly familiar with. You've got Vader in the books. You've got Padme. You've got... Krennic, you've got Tarkin, you've obviously got uh, the Emperor, et cetera, and then you have all these other like new characters. You've got our Rebels pals and like events like Adelon overlapping with some of what you're going to be reading about. I think it's just a great primer for like how Thrawn functions as a tactician, as a tactical genius, as a strategist, but also to like glimpse something that Joe and I talk about a lot when we explain why he's such an, a compelling character. Like the way that he interacts with the people around him and shows them respect and is like ready to hear their ideas, right? And his like consideration for people around him. And I think it's also a very handy way to understand his dual allegiances, like his allegiance to the Chiss Ascendancy and his allegiance to the Empire and how he pursues those things in tandem and how that makes him like distinct from a lot of the other, like I'm just a, uh, a, a palpy worshiping imperial fascist. All that said, I would recommend listening to her reading Heir to the Empire. It's incredible. And you're going to get like your faves, like, you know, Luke and Han and Leia and that. And it's a different kind of thing. But that's the, I think the you should. The drought ender. I think you should start with the new canon. If I were to recommend, I would say start yeah. with the new canon. I think And so. then if you're really enjoying it, Go I want to keep going. Go back and and listen to or read the legends um, yes. books because yeah, again, like I don't think I never think it's a waste of time to read anything legends, even if it never no. is incorporated. Is because then you're just like deeper understanding of the world of of the larger fandom. Then you'll like exactly. understand what people who were like old school in the fandom, like what what they were existing with as the truth of Star Wars for so long. Um, and also like when, when Filoni at all inevitably like riff on Heir mm-hmm. of the Empire, like, you yeah. know, we're not going to get a straight adaptation, but we're, they're definitely going to be pulling Blood elements. Beats, for sure. You know, that's what what you and I love is to be able to like recognize beats that are pulled from a, from a larger, you know, text into an adaptation. So that's always fun for me. But if you're, if you're like, I need this to pay off immediately in a very literal way, new, you know, new canon. And and that's okay. Like, you know, it's different preferences for everybody, but if you're just like eager to spend more time in the world, Legends is, it's a joy. There's just so much. And like, I think that like drought ending aspect of those Legends books in the early days, like there was no, Ben Lindbergh has a wonderful ringer piece about this. Like 
there was no Star Wars for so long. And yeah. so this stuff means, in addition to just being really great and the stories are compelling and the characters are interesting and they became indelible, like, this was Star Wars for so many people for so long. So, yes, definitely, definitely check it out. If you then do all that and you want more, get ahead on the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy because that's the prequel, the Chiss Ascendancy days. And we have no idea, but it feels reasonable to assume that with Thrawn coming into live action, the Chiss are going to be a more central part of Star Wars yeah. canon moving forward. So, like, familiarizing yourself with the, the Chiss, uh, that's Chaos Rising, Greater Good, and, and Lesser Evil, before that becomes more central um, to the canon, that's a great idea. Some other quick recommendations for, like, again, where we are in the canon now in the Mandoverse, and we talk a lot about, like, the crumbling New Republic and building this bridge to the First Order. Right. There are a number of good places that you could look. We've also talked about this a lot. The the Star Wars Aftermath trilogy, right? that's Aftermath, Aftermath Life Dead, and Aftermath Empire's End from 2015, 2016, and 2017, the Chuck Wendig novels. Hux, 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 hux. <laughs> it's just a great time <laughs> to be a, a hux head like Joe. So... This is part of this, this is part of something called the Journey to Star Wars: The Force Awakens publishing initiative, as is a, another book that I'll talk about in a second. And a, a lot of the like impetus behind that is where we are in Star Wars now, right? How did the Resistance rise? How did the New Republic fail? How did galactic affairs arrive at a point where the First Order could uh, emerge from the like? pretty recently scattered ashes of the empire. That was the, the impetus behind a lot of these. And so even though the character set or timeline will not like exactly overlap with what we're getting in the Mandoverse, a lot of the ideas will. And it's become central already, like something like the, the contingency, Palpy's contingency, which you've heard us talk about on pods before and other folks as well. That's like sketched out here. So you can learn a lot about like what happened with the fall of the empire that positioned these imperial remnants to like scatter or rebuild, et cetera. Um, and just some great, some great characters. Shout out Snap Wexley and Mr. Bones. You love Mr. Bones. You're a big Mr. Bones head. I am. Another novel that you've heard us and our pal Ben Lindbergh mentioned before that is also a part of that Star Wars, the, 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 the Force Awakens, like journey to Force Awakens initiative bloodline. So this is Claudia Gray, who Joe just right. mentioned. This story centers on Leia and like what went wrong with the Senate, that Vader <laughs> parentage reveal that we've talked about before that just torpedoes everything for Leia and like the, the formation of the resistance. So helpful, but in addition to just being like a, a, a fun read and a good book, helpful background for this path to the resistance, path to the first order period that we're in. Um, Obviously, you've heard us talk about the eponymous Ahsoka novel, the 2016 E.K. Johnston novel many times before. I would, of course, recommend reading that. We really like that. That's a fun one. This, in addition to like a lot of great Ahsoka lore and Ahsoka state of mind, frame of mind, you get these fun little snippets with like Obi-Wan and other characters who are grappling with the fall, the post-Order 66 days. Um, and then I would recommend another one we've talked about before, which is Master and Apprentice, another Cla Claudia Gray novel. This is from 2019. This has been really top of mind for me in the last couple of weeks as we've talked about like the central focus of this series of Ahsoka. This primarily centers on Qui-Gon, who's come up a lot in recent pods, and Obi-Wan, and this mission that they're, they're deployed on. This is like in the pre-prequel, like pre-Phantom Menace days. And a lot of it is about 
the tension in their relationship and the way the frustrations that Obi-Wan feels toward Qui-Gon, the way that Qui-Gon feels that he is like failing Obi-Wan because he can't be exactly the master that Obi-Wan wants him to be. But you get to learn more about how they think about these Star Wars archetypes and these roles that these fabled characters are supposed to inhabit. It's like a great snapshot of how they think about these things. And you also get to meet like a character like Ryle Avaros, who was the Dooku, Dooku's Padawan before Qui-Gon. And he's like a, he's a cherished, when you hear, when you hear people talk about the idea of a gray Jedi and like a character who bucks some sort of tidy Dark side, light side box. Yeah. Rael is like a great example. That's a great like, point. That's a great point. One of my favorite things about him is he just like fucks on the page and he's just like, what is wrong with everybody? Like, why can't you just have sex with somebody you're interested in and then go about your day without thinking that you've compromised the sanctity of your Jedi-hood? So I would recommend this novel, which uh, Mallory, I read make, last make summer. Make Star Wars sex again is what Mallory yes, says. exactly. Yes. It's a great one. Um, you know, and then there are a ton of others. If you want to branch out beyond the bridge to the First Order or Ahsoka, Master and Apprentice ideas, like read Dark Disciple. I mean, that's a great one. Ventress and Gwen- <laughs> Quinlan. Talk about a sexy novel. Love that one. And I did have, um, I had Light of the Jedi on my list too. I'm glad you mentioned that. And I think like, one of the cool things about the High Republic era right now, which I am candidly quite behind on but eager to catch up on, is it's like a new on-ramp. It, it, it's a very recent, fresh thing, just started a couple years ago, where everybody is starting from the same place and like learning new things at the same time. And that's really exciting. And like that's a great place to begin and just start consuming this like completely different stretch of the timeline. Who doesn't want to spend time 200 years before the prequels, you know? Um, James Mangold wants to go back even further. Even further. We could talk about this stuff forever. We should talk about this more at some point. There are like a million comics we could recommend. There are so many great Star Wars comics. So we'll keep we'll keep offering up the, the reading recommendations whenever we can because it's a, it's a really rich world right now. And there are like a number of great things that apply to basically anything you're consuming in the moment in Star Wars. If you're like, I want to learn more about thing X or person Y, there's something there for there's you. There's probably a comic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Next question we got. And thank you guys. We always love doing um, House of Rays questions. So thank you for asking them. Um, comes from Sam. <sighs> this is a tough one. Yes. Mallory, how many smuggles do you have on this one? Before I, ask I you're going to be really proud of me. I have one main pick and one smuggle. I I really I kept it. I kept it contained because it was that or like a million. It was pick two or pick fifty. Yeah, there yeah. was no in between. Sam's question is this: <laughs> If you could add one more revisited moment for Anakin and Ahsoka to the fog of memories from the World Between Worlds, what would it be? And I was like. Ooh, I get to write like fan fiction of an episode that I already enjoyed. But I mean, this is a really fun prompt. I mean, as a, you know, when when Mallory was first looking at, at this prompt, she was like, oh God, how on earth do I pick just one? Yeah. Like I could pick a million yeah. and that's true. But then if you're forced to pick one, then you have to, yeah. uh, Tales of the Jedi style, like be so intentional yeah. with what is the moment and how will it either push the episode in a direction that it didn't quite reach on its own or better highlight the choices that Filoni already made, um, or something like that. Um, do you want to? Do you want to go first, Mel? Uh, go for it. You go. you go. Well, I was thinking. I've been thinking a lot. We we talked a lot about this this idea, this kind of storytelling as kind of like a a genre almost that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, memory flashback 
uh, and interacting actively with a memory in a flashback in a dream, whatever, you know, you decide it is. Um, and I was thinking of two examples we didn't bring up when mm-hmm. we talked about it last time, which are two of my two movies I absolutely adore, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind mm-hmm. and Inception, mm-hmm. both of which take place in sort of like dream those. memory yeah. spaces and deal with characters working through guilt or choices they made that they wish they hadn't, et cetera, et cetera. So I think I understand why he didn't do it. And maybe it seems like too much of a gimme. But I think if we had gotten the moment that we've talked about so many times when Ahsoka walks away from the Jedi This is also my pick. I mean, how can it not be? be? But here's my twist on it is like to see it kind of as, because what we were watching in these, you know, when, when, um, when Anakin shows up in the Siege of Mandalore in that episode, he wasn't actually there. So what we're watching are not actual memories. We're watching Ahsoka in her younger body sort of confusedly interacting with things that did happen, um, that sort of stuff. So we wouldn't see it as it happened. In fact, what I think would be really interesting is if she, like, decides to stay. And this is this happens a couple times in Eternal Sunshine and sort of one very crucial spot in Inception. Like, if she decides, if she, like, if we watch it play out, but she decides to stay, and then if Anakin, what, whatever you think Anakin is, um, but let's say in Eternal Sunshine, you know, we're inside Joel. Joel's head is played by Jim Carrey. The Clementine who's in there is not, is the, the, Character played by Kate Winslet in there is like head Clementine. She's not real Clementine. But what's cool about her is that she calls Joel out on his shit. So it's himself calling himself out on his shit, right? So if we if we watched that walk away from Anakin, walk away from the order scene, but she decides to stay, and then we get Force Anakin, whatever you want to call him, head Anakin, saying, uh, oh, but that's not what you did, is it? Or something like that. And then we get to talk about it more. And then I need him to talk to her about how I really need him to say it wasn't her fault. You know what I mean? That her walking away is not the thing that did it. And like- This is why this is my pick too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So go wh- tell me tell me your thoughts and feelings about it. I just was like, this was a, a, a this was the one where, again, the first reaction is like, oh my God, here- 50, 75, 100 possibilities. And then pretty quickly, it's like, no, there's really one. And I'm I'm not surprised we both landed there because like it is the the most crucial moment in their shared history. And I wonder if it just felt like it would be too... Because, like, those other moments, like, there are a lot of things, as we've talked about in the Siege of Mandalore or Final Four episodes of Clone Wars, stretch that are iconic. But the thing that we didn't see Ahsoka dueling Maul, we didn't see uh, Rex turning, like, those weren't the moments we got. We were just generally placed there. And I wonder if, like, it felt like going back to the wrong Jedi, the season five Clone Wars finale, Ahsoka's decision to leave, Anakin's attempt to convince her to stay felt like it was like too much of a head to head with a just iconic, iconic moment for well, that's fans why I would of the want universe. That's why I would want it to go differently. Do you know what I mean? So then you can like, because to just recreate it, that seems like a little yeah, bit of a waste you can't, of You can't of just pixels, recreate but like, it because then it's like, you're yeah. like, I have a version of this that I cherish and I adore. So right, yeah. how do you work around it and like, 
move around it and have them observe it and parse it. And I think like that element that we discussed of like, would we have, would we have moved into this like truly rarefied air if we had gotten one more memory and one more emotional beat? This is the memory that gives you that beat. It's like the thing that allows them to discuss that. The trust thing that we keep talking about, this is where we get the like, the, the, how can I trust my, self moment from Ahsoka that we've cited so often. This is where we get that. I understand wanting to walk away from the order line from Anakin and that I know response from Ahsoka. So there's so much here that leads to that like opening note for this series, that right reasons, wrong consequences idea that Ahsoka evokes and is clearly top of mind for her. And like for the characters to interrogate that together and parse that, that guilt, that regret, that feeling of like Ahsoka not regretting the decision she made, like still thinking that was the right thing for her, but this anguish that has consumed her life about yeah. what it, what she worries yeah. it meant for other people. Like, wow, if we had gotten, like, if we had gotten a conversation between them about that or a conversation with Ahsoka, uh, you know, Ahsoka having with herself about that, like that feels like the breakthrough in therapy that I think if we get that, we're not like, Ahsoka the White, huh? I think we're like Ahsoka the White. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, like this was the moment. And I like your, I like your suggestion of how to, how to have them navigate it. I think like that's the thing they, they have to, they have to navigate. And it's and like, the, I mean, that's, it, it's, it, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, one of the most, one of the greatest movies of all time, I think. What they do again and again and again is they will play out, they'll be playing out a scenario as it went, and then they'll stop and they'll start talking about it. Right. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And that's, yeah, yeah. you know. I, I think, too, like, it's not, you know, because if we if we want to try to operate in the confines of the episode, which is, like, battle, war, then it doesn't totally neatly fit, but it's still the pr- byproduct of, like, violence, the threat of war, the mistrust, the betrayal that has seeped into the council, the order, every aspect of life in the Republic because of the creep of war. So I think it would fit even if they're not like charging alongside well, various yeah. clones in the, the the field of battle. And you could still make it fog of worry. Like you could still be, you still be in oh, the yeah. fog sort of thing. So yeah. And it would um, actually be nice to introduce that beat of variance of like a quieter, you know, backdoor dealing like the, the council offering the, the Padawan beats again. And it's like, fuck this. Fuck I you. also like too, that it would be a way to get, this was your trial. Was, uh, Mace, we have some notes. I was thinking about like something like Mortis, which is such a key Ahsoka thing, but then you're introducing so much new lore and yeah, mythology. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's too much. More, I thought about that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like almost more like uh, distracting than maybe like helpful. So something like this, departing the order moment, it gives you everything you need. It heightens the emotion. It heightens the clarity of their shared history. It heightens the sense of these like fulcrums for fulcrum, right? These pivot points that are defining in, in a person's individual path in their shared arc. And you don't have to navigate this like deep mythology download and in tandem with it. It would have been, it would have been, it would have been perfect. Maybe one day. Maybe I was at, day. I was at a party this weekend and a friend of mine uh, who's 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 very smart and wonderful, and she's watching Ahsoka, and she she hasn't watched any of the animated shows. She's watching watching Ahsoka, and she's sort of asking the group, like, you know, is anyone else watching uh, Ahsoka? And and most people weren't, and I didn't wait. I don't know because it just felt like work, so I just like didn't like decide to get involved in the conversation. But then she kept on talking. This is no criticism of her, but she kept talking about it 
sort of explaining to the folks there who haven't watched it, she's like, the problem is if you haven't watched all this other stuff, you're completely lost, blah, blah, blah. And then she said, what I really need is for someone to sort of like curate a list of episodes for me to watch or like do and a you condensed. you jumped in. No, yeah. and I was like, <laughs> like honestly, with love like, and respect I, to her, I've got a with like for a you. slight edge in my voice, I was like, that definitely exists. And like, and like everyone started laughing and I was like, not, not only did we literally do it, but like literally anyone who creates yeah. content about Star Wars yeah. did a version of that. There are YouTube digests that you can watch. There are Disney Plus itself put out a curated list of like episodes to watch. Yeah. Like this, yeah, this service journalism yeah. doesn't exist. And like, we don't have to get into whether or not you should feel like you should have to do any of that in order to understand. And I know that there are plenty of people who are watching without that supplemental and are understanding right. and are, I mean, Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. are enjoying, I should say more than understanding, are enjoying or are having a fine time. But it was just really funny because I was like, yeah, that definitely exists, man. I promise but, it does. But to that point, like, yeah, there would have been also the benefit of just this like real utilitarian show the people the central thing. Show the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You yeah. don't have to go into the mortis gods, but show us the moment where she walked yeah. away from the order and she walked away from Anakin. Yeah. Okay, uh, so we're on the same page. Because this felt like simultaneously, definitely the right one, the one we needed, the one we craved, the one we we yearned for, yearning tendrils. Did you feel compelled to offer up a runner-up of like a deeper cut just as a a, a little like variance in the I did not, but I support you doing that. So Mallory, what is your deep cut? Okay, here's my slightly deeper cut. It's not a deep cut by any means, but a slightly deeper cut than the most iconic (laughs) Soka moment in the history of the character. And I think this would have fit quite seamlessly with what we were seeing. How about taking us to that early stretch episodes, like two through five of season five of Clone Wars, training the Onderon rebels, Ahsoka, Anakin, Obi-Wan, Rex, training Saw, Guerrera, his sister, Stila, the Lux is in the mix, the rebels of Onderon to fight the Separatists. Because Dave Filoni, all Dave Filoni heard when you said that sentence was like, dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar <laughs> sign. Do I have to get you in? <laughs> what are we doing for Young Saw? What are we doing here? Like all that sort of stuff. So I think it going. would be nice to like have like a bearded <laughs> figure in the background so that we knew Obi-Wan is there and it's uh-huh. a fun thing for us. But like you don't have to fully incorporate him into the scene, though, of course, we would we would welcome it always. Ahsoka grappling with like the toll of their aid, right? Like the so much of the conflict that was central in this episode and in the last couple episodes is this idea of like we say we're peacekeepers, but are we are we perpetuating this legacy of death and destruction? We are trying to help. But through the, like, carefully managed rigidity of the Jedi Order and a Republic that is being puppeteered by our arch nemesis. This is an episode where, like, those tension points are, or this is an arc where those tension points are so central. And, like, I think Saw is an interesting character to quickly hit in one of these moments because he's not, I, I don't think he's, like, a distraction, but it's another way to kind of heighten for viewers the number of characters Ahsoka overlapped with and, like, guided and shaped in some way. And, like, I think particularly this aspect of the Jedi Order not wanting, like, fearing the aiding and guiding and crafting of, like, in essence, a terrorist cell, which is what happens, right? And then Ahsoka and Anakin feeling like it is not right to leave these people 
without assisting them, to like leave them without sharing what we know, without helping them to the point where they're like, hey, Hondo, uh, our people won't help us, but like, do you have any missiles we can use? (laughs) Like, there's just, you know, I I I think that aspect of like, this very deliberately maintained approach to managing galactic affairs and the limits of that and the times where that went wrong and like maybe sparked a level of vitriol that was then impossible to contain. Like this feels like something that Ahsoka would have been thinking about for a long time. Stila died and Saw Gerrera went on a war path for the rest of time that even Luthen thought was too intense. (laughs) You know? And even Luthen was like, buddy, my guy. (laughs) Maybe not. Uh, uh, speaking of intensive war pass, we only have a few more minutes left, but we want yes. to like quickly address yeah. Um, yeah. a few more things really quickly. So yes. this is this is a prompt I'm calling the crimes of Chopperwald. And it comes from Sam. And Sam says, <laughs> over, over the last few pods, many mentions have been made of Chopper's seemingly psychotic disregard for life and other things. To me so far, he has seemed like a perfectly nice babysitter for, for Jace. Can Incredible. you give a quick rundown of Chopper's war crimes? I'd love to hear more about why he's such a dangerous addition to your droid family. That's a me, loser of the droid draft. Okay. Um, Joanna, is so far he has seemed like a perfectly nice babysitter the first time that you had to consider whether uh, the show Ahsoka that we generally really like and have been enjoying has completely failed. It's <laughs> 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 like, if people think this about Chopper, we have gone wrong somewhere along the way. Or maybe Chopper in his old age is mellow. Do you know you what think I mean? He settled, yeah. he settled into just like a, a more kind of chill, even keeled existence. In episode 11 of Rebels. This, yes, great one. Chopper just straight up murders another astromech. This is a, something that Mallory and Van were happy, happy to remind me of. Uh, and then shoved his lifeless carcass into the sewer. Great one. That's a great a great example of his um, complete menace. I have a kind of like adjacent example from a couple mm. episodes later. I think if you want to get a, just a snapshot of the harm that Chopper has inflicted. Now he helped key part of the, the rebel Alliance, mm-hmm. but the, um, the death, the, and, and destruction that he has wrought across the galaxy. You want to look at it two ways, close range and, um, uh, from a Scale. distance, right? So like, Scale. is he going to knife you or is he going to hit the detonator? Guess what? With Chopper, the answer is both. Why not both? <laughs> no classic. Why not both? <laughs> um, close to the, the example you just cited season one, episode 14, rebel resolve. If you want one episode to understand what we're talking about, watch this episode because you get a couple amazing things in really close succession here. There's a stretch where Chopper, he's gone undercover as an Imperial courier. The actual courier, the astromech, has been is on the ghost. Chopper's been painted to look like him and is infiltrated. He is attempting to escape. And in the attempt to escape, without hesitation, without a shred of remorse, he sends four stormtroopers into the vacuum of space. Opens the airlock and they are sucked out without even an instant. You're like, to potentially what is this? like grab a pole Battle Star Galactica. We're going it out of the airlock. Astonishing. <laughs> yeah. It is frankly astonishing. And then moments later, mere moments later, he returns to the ghost, and the the, the crew is like, this guy, the the droid that you replaced, like he was Zeb is like he was a big help around here. Like it's this is the he should hang out for Chop. He should stay. And Chopper, just like the droid, to be clear, doesn't die. We get a shot of him hanging out with some loath cats down on the, the grassy plains of Lothal. But Chopper murder pushes this poor innocent and droid then, who has been kidnapped and then out of the cargo. And then he, he murder laughs. 
He laughs. He Chuckles. murder laughs, Joe. I love that you said murder, murder push. No. Murder push and murder laughs. A maniacal murder laugh. And then laugh. there was one time when he just like murder brushed his hair. Um, <laughs> Season two, episode eight. We should say. Chopper takes down the indictor. Episode nine, stealth strike. Oh, yeah. Episode nine. Yes, yes, yes. This is this is my faraway example. This is the other perfect one. Near fifty thousand people in one in one blow. Would you say is that a correct estimate? I think that the okay. So here's the crucial thing about this to me. Exact count. I think it varies on the internet. If you Google how like what is Chopper's death count, you'll see like there's like a a great Reddit post uh, from Block Pro One Five Six chronicling like the attempt to tally the math. And 50,000 is like in play. The reason that I love this stealth strike season two Rebels example is because like, to be clear, Chopper's following orders, right? Ezra, Kanan, they want Chopper to compromise the, the interdictor because of the gravity wells that are pulling their vessel back in. But what are they asking him to do? The word you'll hear a lot in this episode is sabotage. They want Chopper to make the tech unusable. Here's what Chopper does though. They're escaping and nothing's happening. The gravity well, not only is, is the sabotage not clear, but the, the, the well starts to pull them back in. And Ezra says, Chopper, you said you sabotaged it. And then again, we get this like, what I think you can only describe as gleeful response from Chopper. Like he's happy, he's jubilant, he's like really getting off on what is about to happen. And Ezra says, what do you mean? Wait for it. Wait for what? <laughs> so Chopper's response to Ezra when he was like, why didn't you sabotage the, gra- the gravity wells was, wait for it. You're about to see how many people I killed. Then the gravity wells activate. We learn from Ezra that <laughs> Chopper has, quote, rigged their own weapons against them. It's pulling everything in. So two other light cruisers are pulled in. They, like, scrape against the interdictor. These people inside are, like, smushed alive long before the explosion. They're just crushed into, like, goo and dust. And then the entire, it's like it's a bag the of glee. Skittles. If you just open the sk- Skittles in space, everything explodes and Chopper's just like thrilled and wants to be called a hero. It's, it's the glee. I it's think shocking. that's the thing. It's just sort of like many, many people have mm. uh, crashed many an Imperial cruiser or what have you in, in the course of a rebellion mm-hmm. or a yeah. war. Sure. But do they go wait for it and then just like no. celebrate it as they do it? I'm not, so, I'm, just mean, unbelievable. I'm not saying Chopper's wrong, but I'm just saying that's who Chopper is. So, and then, and then more importantly, I mean, I, I honestly think more importantly than all of that, there are times when he has literally put like Ezra or Kanan's life in danger, his closest allies. <laughs> He's got a lot just of stuff to do for fun. He just a busy, because like busy day every day. I was just like, don't worry, Chopper wouldn't leave us stranded. And Kanan's like, yeah, he fucking would. What are you talking about? That that robot has so been trying funny. to murder me ever since I laid a finger on Hera. So, um, you Incredible know. Incredible content. Um, Chopper's a one of one. Extraordinary character. <laughs> two more things before we go. Okay. Number one, we got this question about what's the plural of purgle? Okay. From, uh, I think it's Ewan or Ian. Um, it's a very... Uh, Gaelic spelling, and I apologize. Um, we believe the answer is just purgle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Multiple um, purgle or purgle. Yes, that is that is correct. We will uh, attempt to to say that moving forward. I, I do want you to know that I consulted the Ringer copy desk 
on this matter. I love you. Uh, there's a tradition here at the Ringer called Copy Corner, where every now and then Craig Gaines, our copy chief, will uh, go take to the internet to clarify uh, something on the grammatical front. And I hit up Craig and I hit up Jack McCluskey, who is our deputy copy lead. Uh, and in the, the the early morning hours, Jack was all too happy to chime in. And he said that I can uh, quote him. They're space whales, Jack says. So the natural collective noun is clearly pod. This is to the second part oh, of the yeah. question. The second part of the question is what should the collective noun be? Okay. Some people apparently also call a group of whales a plump which is ridiculous, but pretty funny. Now, on the singular plural front, Jack says to me, I thought this was fascinating. The argument for purgle as both singular and plural comes down to whether they're closer to whales or to squid. If it is the oh, former, yeah, squid. then you'd say purgles mm-hmm. for plural like you do for whales. If it's the latter, then you'd say purgle like you do for squid. But of course, Joe, purgle, it's kind of, we say space well, but it's like kind of a whale-squid hybrid. I like purgle as the plural for so purgle. Too. I think so too. Um, I might thank you, Jack of, McCluskey, for I might in. thank <laughs> you very much, especially in the wee small hours of the morning. I might have been guilty of tacking on S. I shall no longer. Would you like to hear my submission for collective noun? Yeah, of purgle. It's not pod. You've got something other than pod. Pod is the is 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 the basic bitch answer with love and respect. And I say, okay. tough one for me and for Jack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going Go with. Yeah. I mean, because you can get really fun. Like flamingos, as as you uh, mm-hmm. yes. and uh, says here, is flim- a flamboyance of flamingos. Like, uh-huh. You can get really, really wacky and weird. I didn't get that wacky and weird, but I was just trying to like think. I was like picturing the burgle in yeah. the sky, in the fog. What about like a tempest of purgle? Beautiful. I love it. I, that's great. How okay. about a tangle? A tangle of purgle, but you do not want them to get tangles. But that's like our most iconic purgle moment is tangling the tangling the tentacle around. Well, that's like a grasp Ezra of purgle. Thrawn. That's like a grasp of purgle, right? A coil. Uh, a, grasp a coil of purgle. Coil? <laughs> a yearning <laughs> tendril purgle tendril. Yearning coil? <laughs> a yearning purgle tendril wrapped Great around Thrawn and Ezra. Uh, last but not least is genuinely an email that we got and I did not make it up, but uh, a listener, Spencer, asked... Uh, <sighs> Some for some like book tour updates for me. Yeah. Uh, whether or not I'd be doing an event in Oakland, I will be doing an event at Cape and Cowell, a comic great uh, Eisner award winning comic book shop in Oakland. Um, for the full dates and locations, including the event that I will be doing with Mallory Rubin at the Grove, which is mm. quickly selling out in Los Angeles, uh, you can go to themcubook.com. That is themcubook.com to get the latest uh, update on the tour locations. And then there will be like links to register or buy a ticket or whatever the case may be. So that is the answer for that. That is the disgusting uh, book promo for MCU colon the reign of Marvel Studios. I think it's wonderful. Written by yours truly out on October 10th. Pre-order now. Um, Pre-order now. Anything else you want to say? Before we go. Thank you to everyone for the questions. We always love a mailbag. It's fun to do like a themed topic specific mailbag like this, a Star Wars bag. What a treat. Uh, you know, part of the joy of having the the house of our feed and having a couple pods a week is we have like more opportunities to do things like this. So we're going to try to keep mailbags in the mix. And like every so often when we're spending a lot of time in one fictional universe, we'll uh, we'll be back with a with a bag. 
on that back particular story. With back with the bag. The bag. We got yeah. a great uh great suggestion for something we might do like um in the next Star Wars uh round that we do. Um anyway. We have a lot of questions that we'll come back to at some point. And because we teased it earlier on the, on the Orioles front, say, got an Orioles question. Oh, we did. Not gonna answer today, but we're keeping it in the back pocket. We've run out of time. But guess what? The Orioles haven't. And they're playing in fucking October. And so we are going to have pods upon pods and weeks upon weeks where we can revisit the matter of Star Wars comps for the 2023 Baltimore Orioles. Get hyped. Mallory. Joanna. Please, please tell them what you told me when I read Maddie's question to you of if you had to redo the entire Orioles starting lineup with Star Wars characters, who would you choose for each position? I said, I would not redo this lineup. I would not replace anyone on the 2023 Baltimore Orioles with any force wielder or other powerful figure from Star Wars lore. Luke Skywalker isn't batting over Gunnar Henderson. Luke Skywalker can eat shit. (laughs) Shit, Luke Skywalker. Uh, That is what I said. And that is how I feel about it. But will I do a head-to-head character comp for everyone on the team in the 25-man roster at some point in the future? Yeah. Eventually. Jackson Holiday is Grogu. Tune back in for more at a later date. uh, uh, A disturbingly (laughs) adult Grogu or Arrested Development Grogu? (laughs) No comment. All right. Um, The prodigy who was promised. That's who. That has been our uh, our Star Wars uh, mailbag, our Ahsoka mailbag. Um, please do check out the Ringerverse um, for the Midnight Boys. Pew pew! Uh, instant pew, pew. reaction to Ahsoka episode six. Something we haven't seen yet, but we're very excited to see in just a few hours. Can't wait. Button mash on Friday. We'll be back also on this feed on Friday uh, with our deep uh, dive. Thanks as always to Steve Allman, who was. Not quite quick enough on the soundboard today to catch my test and trap for him. Steve, what would that have sounded like if you had been on time? There it is. All right. (laughs) Thanks to Steve Allman. You're the best. And we will see you all next time. Bye.